The Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarren.com slash rain. You're listening to The Lowdown, your insider look into everything defense, aviation, and geopolitics. Sam Lodge, stroke eight, nose five, low. Switch, negative contact on your... Break, right! Stroke three, defending, nose... Hey, welcome to Lowdown. Hope everyone had a great Christmas, holiday season, and happy new year. If we thought we were going to ease into 2024, we were quite mistaken. A lot to cover today from the A350 mishap, V1 crew ejecting, North Korea saying, hey, no more reunification. We'll talk about some Houthis and some other things uh, and everything in between. I'm sitting up in Anchorage, Alaska, so slightly different background, a lot of snow on the ground. Uh, But with that being said, let's jump into our In History segment. We'll continue that along. If you're a newsletter subscriber, you've already seen a couple of pictures and a couple of stories on there. Hopefully this is some editorial comments that go along and provide some amplifying data. But we're jumping into the hidden history with the Marine Corps history, January 3rd, 1944. Gregory Pappy Boynton, he was the commander of VMF 214, known as the Black Sheep. And on this day, at approximately 0800 local, 48 American fighters went out to conduct a sweep mission over Papua New Guinea. He scored his 26th aerial victory on this mission and tied ace Eddie Rickenbacker. He also scored two more kills. However, I believe those were not actually formally recognized until after he returned home from the war. Because on this day, while he does score these victories, he is shot down along with his wingman. His wingman is killed. He is picked up by a Japanese submarine and he spends the remainder of the war as a prisoner of war. Although I'll say that he was never uh, granted prisoner of war status, nor was the Red Cross ever notified that he was captured in a prisoner of war. He survives a naval bombardment, and in March of that year, he is awarded the Medal of Honor. However, because he is a prisoner of war, this medal resides in the U.S. Capitol until his return after the war. A lot more history with Pappy Boynton. That's just scratching the surface, but uh, true American hero and ace uh, more times, uh, more over than once there. Jumping into the flight line. Talk some aviation things that are going on. Most of you have probably seen the Japan Airlines A350. If you're looking at the newsletter, you can see some pictures in that, as well as your watch on YouTube, you can see it as well. But Japan Airlines 516 from Sapporo to Tokyo, the Haneda Airport, collided with the Japanese Coast Guard Dash 8. 367 passengers and 12 crew aboard the A350 all successfully egress. There were some injuries involved with that. But when you see the pictures, it's truly a miracle that everyone got off this plane because there is really nothing left of it. It's a composite aircraft, the A350, and this thing burned to the ground. Um, So truly amazing. I think if we had that thing packed full of American passengers, uh, you know, we probably have a lot more Snapchats and Instagram reels that uh, people uh, documenting their experience trying to egress the aircraft or trying to get their luggage and stuff. But the Japanese very orderly and following the rules, all successfully egress the aircraft. Hopefully Americans would have done the same, but uh, I, I just, I don't know. All crew members aboard, all five crew members aboard the Japanese Coast Guard Dash 8 perished in it. I have not dove deep into this one, but it looks like the Dash 8 entered the runway without clearance and the Japan uh, Airlines flight had landing clearance and landed on top of them. For those who have never landed at night at a major airport sitting up in the cockpit, 
it's often very challenging, even when you're following a large aircraft five or six miles out in front of you, with, if it's a, a city with lots of cultural lighting, you can know that there is another huge aircraft five or six miles in front of you. And throughout the final approach, most likely you will lose visual with their strobe lights, their navigation lights that are out in front of you. So seeing a Dash 8 taxi onto the runway and missing this is something that I can completely see happening. One of the reports was from the controller. There are systems in place that are monitoring the runway to make sure it's free of vehicles and aircraft. Uh, but the controller is not required to look at this screen. The controller stated that he had looked away for other tasking. So there's a lot going on uh, with this. But again, amazing that everyone made it out successfully with only minor injuries. Uh, again, except uh, unfortunately the Dash 8 crew was lost there. 737 MAX, this thing just keeps on, uh, this gift that keeps on giving. If you're traveling in the near future, you might want to make sure uh, your flight hasn't changed around. But Alaska Air Flight 1282 is a 737 uh, MAX going from Portland, Oregon to Ontario, Canada. And they had one of their emergency windows, which I actually, in the news I put emergency exit windows, I think it might have just been a window, uh, row 26 that's separated and a part of the aircraft. Large gaping hole, again, if you're looking at the newsletter, uh, definitely something you can fit a human earth to through. Fortunately, the seat right next to the window was unoccupied. There was a child that was sitting in the middle seat next to it, reported that his shirt was ripped off, as well as lots of other things were ripped out of the aircraft. This happened approximately like 16,000 feet, or they stopped their climb at 16,000 feet. Not where you want to be in life. As a result, FAA released Emergency Air Worthiness Directive requiring all 737-900 MAX aircraft survived in any category with a mid-cabin door plugs installed to be inspected. So I guess this was... Uh, a door plug there. So I think that impacts about 170 plus aircraft uh, that have this type of configuration. So more to follow on that. A B-1 crashed. All four crew members successfully ejected. This occurred on January 4th, approximately 5.15 local time at Ellsworth Air Force Base. Not a whole lot coming out for this. Not surprising, but it does sound like the weather conditions at the time were rather challenging. Low visibility, freezing conditions, no idea if that had any impact whatsoever on this mishap. As all of you who listen to the podcast know, we've talked about mishaps in the past. The Air Force is now undoubtedly underway with the Safety Investigation Board. They'll probably have about 30 days to conclude and figure out what went wrong. That information will stay privileged and will stay internal to pilots, maintainers, and those who need to know. Once that's done, then the Accident Investigation Board starts. That can take about six months. And when that report comes out, that's released to the public. So then we'll finally know what happened. Aerosail Skylens. The FAA has a green light with a supplemental type certificate. This is for a wearable head mountable display. If you're an F-35 pilot going to the commercial aviation world, this is going to be right up your alley because it looks like the bug eye uh, strapped onto your head. But this is giving pilots 180 degree field of view with enhanced uh, flight vision, as well as a heads up display without actually having a physical heads-up display or HUD matter right in front of it. The aircraft I currently fly only has a HUD for the captain, the left seat there. So this probably definitely provides some enhanced situational awareness, being able to see terrain at night, being able to look out and still have all the data, uh, airspeed, altitude, et cetera, coming from the, you know, the F-16. There's a lot of great information that lives uh, in your helmet. Being able to look at it wherever you're looking is pretty nice there. 
Right now, that is only for Boeing 737 NG aircraft that have that supplemental type certificate as they test this out. So sure we'll see a lot coming out. The TSA Assistant Federal Security Director was arrested by Customs and Border Patrol in Atlanta this past week. She wasn't arrested for a security incident. She was arrested on a warrant out of Florida. Apparently her and a relative or friend both forged documents or I guess are accused of forging documents to transfer property from a relative with dementia to benefit from it. So she's facing third degree felony charges uh, for the forgery. Sidebar, who loves going through TSA with all their new baggage scanners that are just absolutely heinous and slow? Good luck uh, keeping your bags together if you have more than one bag going to security. All right, on the defense, the DOD released its extremism report. This came after the USAD, USA, USA Today, sorry, I can't talk, petition to have this data released. All right, I looked at some of it. It's a 260-page document, and all I can say is, surprise, surprise, they really didn't find anything. Uh, but, you know, this comes as a political move coming back from uh, the January 6th, and got to find that there's just extremism in the military. Well, again, shocking. Like any organization that's large, you're going to have a representation of every cross-section of society. The Navy has gangs floating aboard their aircraft carriers. Uh, bad people still get in the military and do stuff. So to me, uh, these are this is one of the annoyances where the DOD, in my mind, goes down a rabbit hole that's something that's really not worth. So uh, the one from the executive summary of the Institute of Defense Analysis, the IDA review, and this is from their executive summary, found no evidence that the number of violent extremists in the military is disproportionate to the number of violent extremists in the United States as a whole. Although there is some indication that the rate of participation by former service members is slightly higher or may be growing. Again, with no real data, they look back at um, court martials of this case, but, you know, I'd be curious any listener who is a judge advocate general or in the know if they have seen anything uh, of significant rise of people doing extreme things. Now, the definition of extremism, this is where we have to be cautious because it can get very political uh, as we go down this rabbit hole. But again, shocker, uh, I could have saved them a lot of time and effort had they just asked me that. Yeah, go figure. You're going to have bad apples wherever you go, but it's not rampant. All right, I digress. Fat Leonard, uh, if you haven't heard Fat Leonard, he has basically taken down over two dozen Navy officials of the largest, like the largest bribery scheme and scandal in DOD history. So Fat Leonard, he is back in U.S. custody. This is after a prisoner swap with Venezuela. He cut his ankle monitor last year and disappeared. But this guy's and his family owned shipping companies and were just a myriad of things of ripping off U.S. taxpayers, the Navy, uh, and by bribing high-level Navy and DOD officials. So he's back and facing the music. General Brown, that's General C.Q. Brown, he's now the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He met with his counterpart via phone this past week. This is the first time in over a year that leadership from both China and the U.S. have spoken. This riff really grew when uh, Congressman Pelosi went to Taiwan on a visit. Basically, all communication was shut off. Austin, Secretary Austin, he briefly spoke with the defense, uh, his defense counterpart. That was uh, this guy, Shang Fu, National, or Minister of Defense Lee 
Shang Fu, which we talked about and covered in an earlier lowdown. He's the one that went uh, or disappeared and then it was subsequently fired. So him and Secretary Austin had a brief encounter in Singapore this June, but it was nothing of substance. I do have to say that this will probably land in next week's episode because it sounds like the Chinese have uncovered a lot of corruption in their rocket force. And maybe this is why a lot of these guys have been canned. Maybe a mix of political disagreements between them and Xi, but obviously the Chinese have removed a lot of their leadership in their upper echelons, but apparently they have rockets that have been filled with water instead of fuel, all sorts of uh, counterfeit and shams going on there. But I would be curious to really be a fly on the wall when they have this conversation, both generals speaking about the importance of respect respecting one another, not escalating, et cetera. That's paraphrasing, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I mean, buzzwords, 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 kind of all fluff, um, I, w- I would imagine. Nothing of real substance. So be interesting to actually really hear what they think. All right, the Houthis, man, they have just been at it with drone attacks. So uh, we're slinging lots of million-dollar missiles, taking down a couple hundred-dollar drones, so that's great. Uh, it would be nice if there was a cheaper way of doing it. But the U.S., Australia, Bahrain, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, Germany, Italy, Japan, Netherlands, New Zealand, Singapore, and the United Kingdom issued a final warning to stop the incessant attacks. And then a short few hours later, the Houthis launched an unmanned surface vessel, that's a USV, uh, that was detonated as it came within a couple miles of commercial and U.S. warships. Um so that one goes on. But about 15% of the world's cargo travels through the Suez Canal uh, and up that way. So uh, I guess we're going to have to keep slinging million-dollar missiles if we want to keep the sea lanes open there. Remember the Chinese spy balloon? I mean, who doesn't? Uh, it has been released this week that that balloon was utilizing a commercial internet service provider to do data burst back to the motherland. The Chinese spokesman at the Chinese embassy in Washington claims it was just a weather balloon that actually drifted into American airspace. It would be great to you know, really know, I mean, you can make some assumptions uh, of what this balloon was really doing and what it was capturing. Uh, now, just even the fact that they released that this thing was utilizing an ISP here in the States to communicate back. So not a good thing with the Chinese flying a weather balloon over the U.S. And again, if you're not watching, there's some hard air quotes with that. For all my military members, Al-Udid Air Base, it lives on. The U.S. and Qatar quietly struck a deal this past week to keep the base open for another decade. For those who haven't been to the Deed, uh, just a great location, but this is where our Combined Air Operations Center is located, where we're conducting all the air war moving pieces for most of the stuff that's happened in the Middle East. Big base with tankers and cargo. Obviously covering the evacuation of Afghanistan, a lot of action happening at Al-Udid if you listen to the, some of those episodes. So Al-Udid is going to uh, stay there. So for those in the military, I'm sure I'll be back. All right, jumping around the globe, Kim Jong-un, he was crying last week about women not having enough babies. This week he's instructed his country's army, munitions industry, nuclear weapons, and civil defense sectors to accelerate preparations for war. Kim announced he would end reunification efforts while announcing North Korea would launch three new spy satellites come 2024. So more more rocket launches from the rocket man. Iran deployed a warship, and this was in response to all the excitement that's happened in the Red Sea. They moved a destroyer to operate in and around the Gulf of Aden in the Red Sea. 
So obviously Iran is backing the Houthi rebels. Turns out they're getting a lot of support. Uh, if you haven't probably read between lines or figured that one out. And now they've deployed one of their destroyers to the region. Iran got hit hard uh, by an ISIS attack. So remember General uh, Soleimani? This is the general back in January of 2020 that was taken out by the U.S. when he landed in Iraq. So he was the Quad Force leader, sowing a lot of discontent, uh, terrorist actions in and around the region. Bad dude. And the U.S. took him out. Subsequently, as probably every military person who's on social media just got bombarded with Iranian bots once he was killed. But ISIS has claimed responsibility for killing over 100 people in a double suicide uh, attack. So they clacked off two vests at a memorial for General Soleimani. So ISIS, you know, I guess just hates everyone. All right, the border crisis. Here's something, you know, try to stay apolitical as much. And there would be some leanings in this, right? You get a little bit more insight to who I am and what I think about. But the House Republicans are moving forward to impeach Secretary of Homeland Security Mayorkas over his handling of the border crisis. If you haven't been paying attention to this, in the first 11 months of 2023, because I guess we don't have the data from December yet, 3 million illegal immigrants crossed into the U.S. from the southern border. In October, they nabbed two Iranians that were on the terror watch list. So if we're not paying attention to this, one, like you can see all these cities that migrants are getting bused to, how they're bursting at the seams and they're screaming because they can't handle it, right? Well, this is what the southern cities have been saying for decades, right? And now they're kind of getting a taste of it. So obviously there's a humanitarian crisis when it comes to just handling the sheer volume of these people. But no one's really talking about the security threat that's coming through this. There, I did link in the newsletter uh, a report, or a, a, I think a very good article from back in the fall talking about the lone wolf and ISIS, how that mentality really lends itself well. So if you want to talk about some people who are strumming across the border who already probably don't like the United States, can easily weave themselves in and amongst the masses of people who just want to find a better life, to organized and targeted terrorists who are coming across the border with malintent to do bad things in the U.S., like fence in, this is not going to get any better until something changes. And oh, by the way, it's kind of like Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. I don't know if you can put him back together again when you're talking about millions and millions of people that once they pass through the poorest border, they're into the wind. So my hope is that, you know, we are not talking about it in a couple weeks, in a couple years, in a couple months with someone clacking off a vest um, in a crowded supermarket, you know, doing the commercial flying. If you think, I mean, people, I, I assume you're listening to this podcast, you're aware that there are a lot of people who don't like the United States, but our main layover in Cologne for my job, yeah. big Christmas market. And it was put out that they um, identified and stopped an IED attack in the Christmas market. Right. So, uh, I would say relatively easy for a lone wolf to do some kind of attack, whether it be with whatever type of weapon and uh, inflict a lot of damage, a lot of terror in the region. So when I talk about the border crisis, again, I don't care which side of the fence you're sitting on politically, although like, I think now people are waking up to the fact that this just does not work letting millions and millions of people across the border unchecked. And then when you hear people, I just listened to a podcast with um, Christian Craighead who... If you're not familiar with him, I think 
the Sons of Freedom podcast had him on there, but former British SAS officer who saved a lot of lives. And he's talking in the first part of that podcast about the process he is going through as a hero and a person you'd want uh, as a member of, as a citizen of the U.S., because he's trying to achieve that, how difficult it is just to obtain a visa and how long of a road it is for him to become a citizen and doing it all the right way. And then on the other side, we just let people cross. But I digress. That is the lowdown for this week. If you're getting any value out of it, make sure if you're listening, you're following along, hitting the follow button on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, leaving a rate and review. And if you're over on YouTube, drop me a comment if there's something you'd like me to talk about. If you enjoy this content, you want me to keep putting it out there. Let me know. Until next time. Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com slash rain.